0: Hello there and once again welcome to another version of the Broadcast Preview Podcast. This a playoff special as Minnesota United for the very first time find themselves in the postseason. We'll talk about their upcoming game against LA Galaxy, the very first playoff game for Minnesota at Allianz Field. Amongst an array of other subjects, Callum Williams here alongside Kendra D. St. Aubin and Jamie Watson. And guys, there is no better place to start. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon. Earlier today, quite rightly so, the news broke, Kendra, that Iko Para has been awarded the Defender of the Year title.
1: I loved seeing the video, too, of the response from his teammates because I think when when that announcement is made, you can just tell the elation and the respect that he has in that locker room. I just think that this is a guy that when he is named it or when he was named it, This year for 2019, I don't think anybody around the league batted an eye. I think everybody, if you ask anybody from any club, of course you're going to root for some of the guys on your own team. But ultimately, when it's all said and done, they respect him as a player, respect him as a person, as a defender, as a teammate. And I think everybody around the league is probably – happy for him because they know what he's capable of. They know what he does and they know he goes about everything the right way and fantastic job. What in addition to Minnesota United, what a loss for sporting Kansas city. And you know, Peter Vermees has got to be kicking himself that he didn't see what, what Minnesota United saw and, and brought him in and um, hats off to Ike Opara. Well done. Tremendous season for him.
0: I always think about this and I frown at the very least, Jamie, because $900,000, when you think about it, given what Ike Para has given to this Minnesota United site, it's a deal that's well worth it.
2: Yeah, it really is. And, and on the, the world scheme of things, to be quite honest with you, if it's you said $900,000, um, that's essentially not a lot of money. And let's keep it relatively speaking right but this is also mls it's allocation money there's uh only a, a finite amount of that allocation money you're allotted each year and there's the discretionary allocation money uh for for tam so look it's not apples to apples there is a sense of that in the the scheme of major league soccer that is a significant amount of money but having said that really what would you pay? What's what's the price for the defender of the year? You know what I mean? Can there be a price? Is there a price in which, you know, Iko Parra you would now trade him for? You know, right now, I don't think Minnesota United would trade him.
0: Not not internally, but but let's just play devil's advocate here and, and, and sort of think about this from an international footballing point of view. If somebody outside of Major League Soccer wants to buy Iko Parra now, I mean, you're talking at least a couple of million dollars, aren't easy,
2: you? Easy. And, that, and that's the thing. So that's one, that's a great bit of business. One, to get an immediate return on your investment. Two, if you wanted to get more from him right now, you could or you could just reap the benefits like they did. And when the numbers came out um, across the board, it was a clean sweep for Ecopar Player percentage, meaning his own peers in the league. A quarter of the players, you said one out of every four players in the league, they would say Aikopar was the best defender. Then you look at the club was 27%, even more. The media was 44%, nearly 45%. I mean, almost one out of every two pundit thought this is Aikopar. He is the... Quintessential MLS Defender of the Year. It's not even really a question. Uh, a whopping thirty-two percent. Next closest was Walker Zimmerman uh, at sixteen percent. So doubled up on that. I mean, look, it was uh, it was a well-deserved honor. It was a, a player in which um, I thought it was really telling if you looked at Ike Para and he put out a tweet um, just a few minutes ago, acknowledging for the first time um, his accolade, and he said on April eleventh, two thousand fifteen. Thought the dream was over today. Feeling grateful for everyone past and present that has ever invested in me on this wild ride. Thank you for all the love and support PS Minnesota. I told you I was coming in hot. I mean, huh. it's so like, uh, if you, if you've gotten a chance to know him, like we do, you know, that he is a, a wonderful personality in the locker room away from the game. And then on the field, he's enjoyed a ton of success. And I really think the big, big factor that pushed him over the edge was when you looked at Kansas City giving up 67 goals this year and Minnesota United on the flip side only giving up 43 goals, almost flip-flopped from what it was uh, in years past. And I think it was 40 goals last year. Kansas City conceded and Minnesota United was 71 last year. So it goes to speak volumes about that. I think there's there's no arguing that. And I think there's no arguing that Ike is the clear-cut defender of the year in Major League Soccer this year.
0: Just 43 goals conceded this year, Kendra. Third best in the Western Conference behind RSL and LAFC. Um, And Aiko Parra, as as Jamie insinuated, beat out some very good defenders this year in Walker Zimmerman and Miles Robinson. There were a couple of others under consideration that have had fabulous campaigns as well. But I I don't think there's been a defender that has made as big of an impact as Aiko Parra this season.
1: Well, and I think one of the biggest things is the immeasurable. It's the intangibles. It's it's his leadership. It's his organizational skills. It's his mindset. It's his competitive attitude. It's his experience of being there, been there, done that, just much like we talk of Ozzy Alonso. We can absolutely talk numbers, and the numbers – tell the story the goals against and how much it's gone down for Minnesota United but the fact that he brings all those other things and I think that is recognized amongst his peers amongst everyone in the league and amongst his teammates especially in the coaching staff here at Minnesota United and the sporting staff I mean he is he is a fan favorite people love him they love everything about him the way he goes about his business he holds himself accountable when he does make a mistake all of those things is why Ike Aparra is the 2019 MLS defender of the year and always has a smile on his face when he walks into training every day. He's one of those guys. He goes to every community event that he's asked to go to. Just, just does everything the right way. And um, I, I love that he won this award. I think he's well-deserved. And, um, you know, now we just got to get focused on LA Galaxy, which you know all the players are. And, and we can sit here and talk about awards, which is awesome and fantastic. And it's a great time for them to come out with that confidence heading into the weekend. But you know that this club is just ready and raring to go for for the LA Galaxy matchup on Sunday.
2: And if reports are true, uh, just one last thing on on Ike. I mean, I think that you're starting to say that, you know, this could be a player that could be here for for years, you know, and and hopefully that is the case. We'll see, you know, I don't know.
0: Um, We don't really need to talk about, the national team, because that's—I uh, <laughs> think—that's a separate podcast in itself. Um, but I, I do wonder, Kindra, is, is Iko Parra now somebody that Greg Berhalter could potentially turn to? I, I, and I know—I know he's thirty, yeah. and I yeah. know he's at—you know—the wrong age uh, or the wrong side <laughs> of thirty, rather.
1: He's at the right old mature age. Yeah, <laughs> he is. He's,
0: he's at the wrong side of thirty. But to me, if if you're looking at playing a certain way for the national team. Um, look, I, I don't.
1: First of all, I, what is that certain? Well, let's, <laughs> uh, again, let, let's, let's not get into
0: it. because it, <laughs> it needs a separate podcast um, and the, the obs- obscure nature of it. Anyway, um, but, but is this something that Greg Berhalter should perhaps look at in, in
1: 2020? 100%. I mean, I don't know how you can't. I mean, for me, Ike health isn't a question anymore. I mean, I know that was a conversation prior and same with Ozzy Alonso. I mean, I, we're talking national team here, but in general, when these guys hit a certain age, maybe they've had some injuries or maybe they've fought through some things. But how can you how can you take away what that experience is, what that is just to have that confidence and and have a veteran president's presence? I don't know. I don't care if it's MLS or it's the men's national team. I mean, I think people would argue when we're talking slightly about the men's national team and how. Ike Apar could fit into it as that center back role it's a position that people have had question marks for a very long time now for the men's national team and there's wondering why they haven't brought back some of the other guys from the past but to me Ike Apar, why not be in the conversation what what would lead you if you're greg berhalter especially being an mls coach who's been around and knows what Ike Apar is capable of in this league what in the world could it hurt right now based on what we have seen
0: i'm a fan of of a lot of the central defenders that have been in this national team roster this year, Jay. But surely Iko Parra has to be under consideration. He's surely not any worse than any of them that have been given a chance.
2: I think right now we're maybe getting stuck in the mindset of the future, the future, the future with ignoring maybe the now. And maybe this loss to Canada was the wake-up call that the U.S. men's national team needed that maybe you can't just hedge your bets on the future right now and that there is a a bridge that needs to be built between the two. And I think Ike Opara is a guy that understands that right now at, at 30, he might be focusing on the next round of world cup qualifying and world cup, and probably saying, this is my last shot as a real serious participant within the national team now if if we're convinced that we want to go the complete other route and it's got to be either miles robinson or aaron long just simply because they have youth on their side i think right now if you look at it everyone in the league across the board as i mentioned a moment ago agreed that he was a better defender in league play this year so why would you not say the next evolution would then be with the national team and if you tell me it's because you think he's 30. i don't think that's enough of an argument i get what you're trying to do to build to the future but you're telling me within these camps he can't be in these involved in these camps even if your mindset is to say i really want to get more for these younger guys for down the road okay great but we're in a win now situation too yes and and i think right now this this mindset and mine in particular i was i was very vocal with you both when we talked last time about the nash team about this progression this this slight progression we're seeing I don't think we've seen any more progression since we last spoke. And I think we've seen actually some regression. And I think the progression now needs to be on the mindset of the U S men's national team. And how do we make sure that we're ensuring results now, because we could sit there and plan for the future all we want. We don't get through this qualifying right now. And we figure out ways to win right now. The future is not in 2022 it's in 2026. Sure, That's too far down the road. We're better than that. I think Ike Opara could be a perfect bridge right now because I think he's a guy who understands the, the bigger picture too. If you tell him, Hey, we want you to be important for us. In these 90 minutes to help us get a result, but more so with these younger guys helping them develop to be something more down the road later on.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if Iko Parra is a part of the January camp moving forward. You mentioned the word future there a little earlier on, Jamie, which bridges us now to the Rookie of the Year Awards, which Hassani Dotson unfortunately didn't win. It went to Colorado center forward Andre Shinyashiki. Shiki. Um, Kendra, I'll, I'll start with you here. How unfortunate was Hassani Dotson not to win this award?
1: I think really unfortunate and um, I think you know we have, we've had this discussion a few times about is, is it about scoring goals I mean that's the flashy thing to do and that's a lot of times what gets the attention when it's rookie of the year and I know Sonny Dotson had four tremendous goals on the season but in general I think a lot of times the voting looks at and and the people that are are voting are looking at just overall goal scorer maybe they're reading the stats it should you be giving it to a player that didn't make the postseason in the Colorado Rapids I mean who knows they made quite the run I think she Shinichi is he's a great player. I actually thought Aaronson was going to be the one to win it for what he's done with the Philadelphia Union and the impact he's made. But Hassani Dotson is more deserved in my mind because he is so vital to this team, even though he didn't start as many games as Aaronson or Shinya He didn't score as many goals. But the fact that they had to put him in in critical situations and positions that he is not accustomed to playing and he did above average, very well in those positions, oftentimes going up against the best players for the opposition, left back, right back, holding midfield, you know, coming in for Ozzie Alonso, playing alongside Ozzie Alonso, reading the game, sitting back and, you know, right in front of the back four if needed, attacking if he needed to, picking his moments, combining with other players and, and gaining confidence as the season has gone on. I thought Hassani Dodson was beyond deserve it of winning rookie of the year. And I don't think I'm, I'm not, I'm not mad. I don't think he was completely like, this was a complete, you know, travesty, um, I think Shin and, and Aronson were also good choices. Um, but I do think that all three of those, in particular, Aaronson and, and Hassani Dotson, were 1A and 1B in my mind. And I wouldn't have been upset if either of them had won, had won the award.
0: Jay, you had said on the last podcast that you thought Shin Yashiki was going to win it. So why? Why did he win it?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I've, my voting was for, uh, one was for Dotson, and then two was for Shin <laughs> I gave um, the edge to Dotson in my voting just simply because we've seen it firsthand. And a lot of the reasons that Kendra just said um, were why I voted that way. Um, But then when you go and you look at the voting across the league, um, maybe this is a case in which I think, who was it? One of the pundits. Maybe it was... maybe Oh, it was Stu, Stu holding on the Benny Sal podcast with Eiko Parra. They're going to have to change it to the Benny Sal podcast with the 2019 mm. Defender of the Year Aiko Parra. <laughs> it's like when you win the Oscars or something. You got you to gotta add that in. Or, you know, Oscar-winning, uh, whatever, Defender of the Year-winning uh, contributor Aiko Parra. Um, Stu said that a lot of the times when teams don't have very many national games, you don't get a chance to see players a lot of the time. And, um, for Shin Yashiki, you know, we watch a lot of video, uh, in the Western conference. Um, so you saw what he was capable of. We saw it firsthand, um, both there in a way this season, uh, he was a part of both fixtures against Minnesota United, uh, Aronson. I didn't know much about, um, Aronson is intriguing though because he's just 18 years old. I mean, he's called into the full team. He played 28 games this season, started 25 of them. Um, he finished second in the voting. Shinyashiki at 22, four years older, but yet he had seven goals, three assists on the season. So you start to go, okay, there is a real contribution. And just for perspective, Aronson had three goals, two assists. Um, there's a real conversation about games played at a younger age versus goals a little bit older. We know what we saw with Asani Dotson. Uh, the voting though across the league, um, clean sweep for Shinyashiki. 32% of the player vote, 31% of the club vote, 34% of the media vote. So an average of 32 and percent. Brendan Aronson, 15.5% for the player, 32 for the club, and 25% for the media. He ended at 24.5% roughly. So and and then Dotson ended at about 15% average wise. So um, I didn't know much about Aronson. That's why he was out of my top three. I can see why he was in, you know, the finished up runner up. Shinjiik, I thought was the biggest threat to dots and ultimately proved that way. And then maybe we just see a bit more of dots and that's why we pushed him a little bit higher, but um, of those three and then chase Gasper obviously deserves a mention for finishing fifth overall, just short of Frankie Amaya. Not sure about that one whatsoever. (laughs) Um, But having said that again, maybe another younger player that's done it at the uh, youth level with like the twenties and the seventeens as well. Um, But Look, I, I, all three of those players, I think, have really big futures. Um, the top five that rounds out with Gasper, I think if you ask any team right now, they would happily and gladly take any one of those players and any one of those players would compete for playing time. So uh, good on uh, Dotson for third, but um, I think I voted a little differently for a reason. But congrats to Shinyashiki nonetheless. Good story for him out of the University of Denver under uh, Jamie Franks.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations to Andre Shinyashiki and to Aiko Para whilst we're on the subjects of awards. Now then, let's focus on the near future, shall we? The playoffs are just around the corner. And I want to focus on a little quote here, Kindred East St. Orban, that Adrian Heath said in an interview with uh, Jeff Ruta on The Athletic, uh, which you can obviously go and find online. It's a fabulous read. And he said, uh, Adrian Heath said that this year in 2019, he and the coaching staff focused on mentality and, as much as the physical side of the team in 2019 uh, elaborate a little more what exactly does he mean by that quote
1: well i'm always i've always been a firm believer in the mental side of the game, meaning just knowing that you can close out a game, knowing that you have the confidence, knowing that you're stepping on the field and that there isn't anything that anybody on any given day that you can't beat, that you can't accomplish. It's the one v one battle. It's the mentality of the one v one ballot battle. And I don't mean that like literally like figuratively or, you know, just everywhere on the field, like one v one, I've got to beat this guy. But just knowing that when you step on the pitch and closing out games, you know, not allowing silly goals, not having turnovers. Like to me, those are a lot of mental things. It's not just about the physical side of things. So, uh, you know, without having spoken to Adrian directly about that quote myself, I think that oftentimes the mental side of a game And a team can get overlooked. Mental could also mean just in the locker room. What is the mindset of the team? What is the chemistry of the team? How are you approaching every single training session, not just the games? You know, preparing that how you practice is how you're going to play on Saturday or Sunday or whenever that game day might be. So to me, I think going back to again, when you're talking about the players that were brought into this team this year, They were as much about the physical capabilities and the tactical notion of what they are capable of in a game as they were about the mental side of things. Every time we talked to Ike Parra and Ozzy Alonzo when they came in very first week training inside at Blaine NSC freezing cold outside whenever it was January, February after the draft when they first reported. It was all about the fact that we've been there before. All we know is what to do is to get to the postseason. That's all we know. That's all we've ever done. Aika para Ozzy Alonzo. So it's gonna be no different. We know that Minnesota's had its struggles, yada yada, yada. All we know is winning. And to me, that is the mental side of the game. When you bring in players like that, the coaching staff built off that, got those players for part of that reason, and then it trickles down to the rest of the group, to the rest of the squad, the young guys, the old guys, the other veterans, Vito Minone, same thing, you know, playing at that level, that they have an expectation – for themselves, for their teammates, for the coaching staff. And I think that's what Adrian Heath is referring to. And it's amazing what a difference that makes when you can see it in how they approach a game and how they step on the field, especially at Allianz Field, but even on the road.
0: That's that's certainly what I took from that quote, Jay, as as Kendra has just said, that the, the mentality needed to change. And the idea was that it would change with the veterans that they brought into this roster this year. So moving into the playoffs... Does that mentality change now?
2: I don't I don't think it needs to change. You know, and I think that, um, it, first of all, it was a fantastic article. Jeff uh, did a great job with Adrian. He asked some really um, pressing questions, some really 30,000-foot view questions, some day-to-day questions, and even managed to ask if Adrian Heath has a burner account on <laughs> Twitter or any social media. I thought that was genius. Um, <laughs> I think... Um, I think one of the most compelling quotes of that was when you talked about the beginning of the season, was the fact that he knew and was under no disillusion that after the two years they had had, the importance of the first couple games on the road. Because remember, Minnesota United started 2019 off with five road games. That could have been the kiss of death if the team would have been 0 and five. Oh, 04 and 1 oh, 04 and you know or that would have been the same oh, 04 and 1 oh, 03 and 2 any any variation you could think of that involves not picking up a win but instead they pick up the first two road wins and and we as broadcasters talked about man how fun was this we just did back to back road trips and we got some wins on the road and when you talked to Adrian it was kind of like no surprise to him like look this is this is a different group these are not the same players that had this sort of negative mentality that a lot of us have maybe sort of kind of slipped into and grown accustomed to with previous years. And so um, having said that, I think now that you're in the playoffs, I think you, if you're Adrian, you you'd kind of draw back to that. And you go, guys, I, I've been telling you this since day one. Me and my staff, we believed in you since day one. So I hope by now you all believe in yourself. And if there's ever been any doubt or any wavering, look back at your body of work from 2019 and that should prove to you that you have put on a performance throughout the course of 34 games that warrants you get a home game. And to be quite honest, they were a point away from being able to have the first and second round at home if they would advance. So go out and, and any doubt you have should be left in the past. This is an opportunity now to cement what could be something really special and really remarkable, not just this year but beyond think about what this team will, what will be said about this team in the history of Minnesota soccer, if they're able to make a run and do something special here, people could say this is one of the best teams that Minnesota soccer has ever seen. And that's dating back to the kicks when they had some championship winning teams, you know? So if you want to be in the discussion of one of the best teams to ever be representatives of Minnesota and soccer in this state with an illustrious history, go and prove it and go do
0: something special.
2: And it starts this weekend against the Galaxy.
0: So maybe not the mentality changing, but there is something, and I throw this out to anybody who, fanci- who fancies it. But there is something that that changes, perhaps psychologically, going into the postseason, especially now with the new format, with the one and done sort of NCAA type uh, system. How as players do you focus? How do you prepare for these types of occasions, Kendra?
1: Well, I think that again, you're gonna you're gonna you're going to lean on the veteran leadership of those two particular players. I really do. I think that there is something to be said for ratcheting it up a notch. I mean, there are some players that you think, oh, their intensity can't get any higher and then just wait until they get to the postseason. And that's true in every sport. I do love the new format. I love the one and done. I don't, you know, I was never a fan of the home and home, the aggregate, the goals. And there was a lot of people, we did a, a thing yesterday with Element. And then we were just trying to, glad we didn't have to explain the home and away goals and what counts for more and how you can win at home in the second game, but really you've lost because of the aggregate goal. So I, I feel like this is the time, this is the moment, especially, especially, especially in American sports where the players that have been there before and done that before will understand. And that intensity level just ratchets up to the next level. It, it takes it up to a whole new notch. And quite honestly, the galaxy I don't know exactly what to expect from them. And my husband asked me time and time again, I think it was last night or it was early this morning. What do you think about this weekend? And normally I have a very quick gut reaction of what I think our result will be. I'm having a really hard time with this one because I don't know what galaxy team is going to show up, but I do know for Minnesota United that you have players like Ozzy Alonso and Ike Opara that know how to get it done in the postseason and ratted it up to that next level. And I hope that that is what carries Minnesota United to a victory on Sunday. Um, but I don't know what to expect. And I just think that that level of intensity and that knowing that this is it. You know, we, we've talked about must win games during the regular season. We talked about this is the next, this is the most important game of 2019. Well, this is really it. And I think everybody in that locker room will know that and the, and the players on this team will make sure everybody knows it top to bottom, even, even national championships, even chase Gasper, even Dane St. Clair. I mean, you know, even those types of players that have just played for Maryland, I know it's not professional, but it's still, it's a one and done mentality. Like this is the biggest game of your career up to this point, if you're one of those guys. And so I think that everybody understands the meaningfulness of it.
2: I I think you're very right about the Maryland guys, but I think, that run into the U.S. Open Cup final, while it didn't lead to lifting a trophy, I think it led Minnesota United into the belief that you can now be tournament tested in a sense, and you only have to look back uh, a few short months to be able to, to see that and to draw from that. Um, remember, they were down 2-0 at halftime on the road to Houston, pulled three goals back. So if they find themselves down this week you can sit there and say we've done this before in a situation in which if we lost and we didn't pull out a result in the second half we were done for the competition right so i, I think that there's a lot more to be gained other than the fact of saying you've got a runners-up uh place as the you know the lamar hunt u.s open cup you know tournament in 2019 you, you can say we we gained something more from that and this is when you expect to pull from that um and i think that i think th- a couple weeks ago, I saw something on, I believe it was ESPN's Get Up. It was this uh, contributor. I can't remember what his name was, but he was really well-spoken. It was off the back of Clayton Kershaw having just a disastrous performance in the Major League Baseball playoffs. Kendra, you, you've got a, a vast knowledge in baseball, so you'll know the performance I'm talking about. This is a, a world-class pitcher. But he got into a game and in and a, and a playoff situation and just had a terrible performance. Cost the team the game, essentially, for the Dodgers. And the next day, they were breaking it down on the show. And he... This guy, and I, and I feel like I'm, I'm letting him down by not giving him the, the, uh, the credit by remembering who it was, but the, the gist of it was that when there's pressure for some elite athletes, it can sometimes manifest itself in anxiety. And if players find themselves under too much pressure and they get anxious, they can actually regress and to forget all the things that make them as good as they have been in their career leading up to that moment. And it's very true. I've been in this spot. So I can, I could, I was relating wholeheartedly to what he was saying. Um, But the mentality that you find in the most ultra successful people and the highest levels of competition, playoffs, world cups, everything that you can think of any form of Stanley cup playoffs, major league baseball um, playoffs, even up to the super bowl was the elite athletes find a way to take that anxiety and, Switch it from I don't want to screw up and I don't want to make a mistake to being that to to thinking that this is the moment that I'm going to succeed and I'm going to make the most of this opportunity. Whereas if it's a set piece, it's not don't under hit this, don't over hit this, don't hit this too soft where the first guy clears it. It's I'm going to put this right on top of the six and I know that one of my players is going to go get it and I'm going to just do this right now and not waver about it, not differ from that when you get into these player uh, driven situations within the playoffs, you're going to find out a lot about players that you can't really coach. You can't really teach. It's about what's internally inside these players. And I think right now, when you have guys like Eichel para Ozzy Alonso Vito Minone, which is the spine of your team, you're going to be able to find something within these players that have that ability to go out and succeed in a pressure-filled situation, and let's hope that they've been able to impart some of that within the group over the course of the year, the course of the Open Cup, and into the playoffs. Because if they can, they can go out and take this moment and not be scared of the moment.
0: You actually um, read my mind, and for the first time, learning that you may very well be psychic. Um, because I, was... I also know what you're
2: thinking right now, <laughs> Calvin. Stop it. We are. This is a family-friendly podcast.
0: <laughs> I because uh, I was about to say that, you know, the, the Open Cup obviously provided a knockout experience for a lot of players. But also, Kendra, I wonder losing in the Open Cup Final. Players won't want to experience that feeling of um, frustration, annoyance, and disappointment again, which may very well give them an extra bit of whatever they need to help avoid that again in the playoffs
1: well, and you saw what it meant to those players and you saw players like a michael boxel who missed a tremendous opportunity late in that game at atlanta Ike para and there was a reason why those same players that we've been talking a lot about that veteran leadership that mentality stayed on the field the entire time that atlanta united was celebrating and their fans were cheering and they were being handed their silverware because they, they didn't want to feel that again. You don't want to feel that again at any level, at any time. And now every game in the playoffs, in the postseason, it is the next championship. It is a win or get out situation. So I absolutely think that there is something to be said for going through something like that as a unit, too, not just individuals. But this core group of players has gone through this 2019 season. It's been mostly ups, a few downs. But for the most part, they've come out on top every single time, meaning out on the positive th- side of things. Only one loss at home. There's so many things to build on and look at from 2019 that this group can take with them. And now the awards and the accolades can come with an Ike Defender of the Year, but they also know that – there is more to come from this group, and they went through that together. They climbed out of that hole in Houston together. They got to the semifinal and the final, and the U.S. Open Cup final, and lost. But they went through it together, and you can absolutely, you know, latch onto that when you come onto Allianz Field on Sunday afternoon in front of your amazing fan base, and and sees Laton get booed when he steps on the field. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's what they're all hoping for, and they're all expecting.
2: I did find out who the guy was, just to give him the, just quickly put a bow on that. Uh, Emmanuel Acho, his Twitter's at the man Acho, and it's his pin tweet. It's fifty eight seconds. So sorry, I didn't was mean he, to go on. Is he a He, uh, he he's was a football player. He's a football he? player, yeah, and he Ocho, actually has, um, his
1: brother Sam played for the Arizona Cardinals. Is that right? Yes.
2: Yeah. See, I told she knows. Yeah, he yeah, was she an, knows NFL, baseball, he's an NFL guy. Uh, masters in sports psych, and so that was uh, that's why. There's a reason
1: to. why sports psychologists are getting paid. Insane amounts of money. I mean, every college team has a sports psychologist these days. Every pro team. I mean, you can't go in a locker room without a sports psychologist, which they didn't exist. I mean, my sports psychologist was my dad, which I don't (laughs) know if that was a good thing or not. But but, um, but there's a reason. was his sports
0: psychologist? Yeah, he was just
1: the one yelling from the stands. For sure. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Okay, so whilst we uh, spoke of Atlanta United briefly there, um, I thought it would be kind of interesting to do uh, playoff predictions for the first round. So we'll start with Atlanta United at home. Home to the Revolution. Bear in mind, we are going to hold you both accountable here. I'm going to have... Wait, um, are you
1: picking here too? Absolutely
0: no chance. Oh, I was going to say, wait a minute. (laughs) So, Kendra, I'll start with you. Atlanta United at Home to the Revolution. Uh, Your scoreline, please.
1: Atlanta United
2: 3-1. 3-1
0: to Atlanta. Jay. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind, Frank DeBoer came out and said today,
2: Miles yeah. Robinson is out. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, he's not happy. He's not happy with the men's Not pleased about team. it
2: because the reports were that it was uh, injured in post-game fitness running. Oh, dear. After the Cuba match. After the Cuba match when he had asked them to take it easy on him, knowing that the playoffs were around the corner, and he had a big year, played a lot of games. So um, that's neither here nor there because I think Michael Parker steps in. If it's his number that's called um, – I think this game will actually be closer than three, one. I think it could be, um, I think this could be a game that actually goes to one one Atlanta. Um, and it may even go one step further just from bonus points, Cal extra time.
1: Mm. I love, I love new England revolution right now and what they've been able to do and, and some of the players, uh, you know, and Bruce arena just kind of turning the ship around. I think it's been fantastic. I just think at Atlanta is so tough and, um, but yeah, I mean, I hope it's a great game. I yeah. hope it's even closer than 3-1. I really do, because I think that what the revolution has been able to do at turning around is they deserve a lot of credit for that.
0: Yeah, Gustavo Bo has been a yes. revelation for sort the of revolution, Carlos Hill. Oh, it's been I see what you did Hill. there. <laughs> there we go. Low-hanging fruit from you, Williams. And <laughs> Carlos Gil, uh, let's <laughs> get that in being a former Aston Villa yes. player, doing very <laughs> well. Have <laughs> a pretty good oh, uh, Yeah, several. Don't worry about it. <laughs> wait, wait, first
1: of all, so you're going to throw in those little nuggets, but not give us your prediction.
0: I'm going to go Atlanta United, win by three goals to two. Well, now you got to do the rest of it with us. There we go. <laughs> ah, You're I'll, suckered I'll in. There's not an ass former Allison Villa player on every team. In. There we go. Yes, newcomer of the year, by the way, in MLS. You're welcome. Uh, right. <laughs> so, uh, next up, uh, Seattle Sounders at home to FC Dallas. Kendra.
1: Oh, Seattle Sounders. I don't think it's going to be as runaway as people think. Um, I think Seattle Sounders are struggling, not just... On the road, but I mean, clearly at home. I mean, they've struggled to get goals and score goals, and I think Minnesota United, we saw that firsthand. They're not the same Seattle Saunders team that we're used to. We'll see how Jordan Mortis comes back from the national team duty. Um, but I still think Seattle Sounders at home, FC Dallas, don't know which team they're going to get. Um, but I would say I'll go 2 nothing Seattle. Okay.
0: Jeremy, uh, your former employer at Central Link Field. I might go Matt
2: Doyle on this here and blow up the, the entire Western conference bracket here. Seattle actually struggled against Dallas. They had a hard time against Dallas and they only played less than a month ago at CenturyLink field. And it was a draw
0: mm.
2: with that in mind, one zero FC Dallas. Mm. Wow. We have our first upset.
0: Okay. Well, they do have an inform Czech Republic center forward right now, don't they? And Andrzej Kiu. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who did he score against? Yeah, in what the was it? <laughs> He's League in anyway, I as think that's where his, as soon, as soon as his, his I goals up were
1: his name, lit up. He just, all of a sudden, against England, I believe it was. Was that England? It
2: was England. Wow. It's okay,
0: don't worry, because we uh, we thumped Bulgaria 6-0 the week after. So uh, There we go. Don't worry about it. Um, I'm going <laughs> to say uh, Seattle 2-1 uh, over FC Dallas. I can see Dallas scoring. But I can see the Sounders just having a little too much on the day. Scoring I think Stephen um, Fry
1: too. I think yeah. he'll find a way. He's incredible. If, if it was playoffs, possibly,
0: if it was possibly over two legs, yes. I could Dallas, I may very well fancy bad uh, Dallas too, getting a chance to go to Yeah, that. but if it's at the Sounders, I just think they have a little too much. Anyway, uh, next up, Toronto are hosting DC United. Kindra, is this going to be Wayne Rooney's last game in Major League Soccer?
1: Uh, yes, I think it will. Toronto, I'm going to go. Uh, Well, is Josie playing or what? I mean, he's hurt. He was hurt. I don't know. He's not with the national team. Um, I'm going to go. I'll go 2-1 Toronto and Wayne Rooney scores.
2: Ah, Toronto, 2-0. This goes to show how important decision day was because this matchup could have been at Audi Field, but it said it's at BMO Field, and I think ultimately that's what gives Toronto the edge here. 2-0 Toronto. You,
0: You, Cal? I think my boy, Pozzuolo, will have himself a day. Mm. Uh oh, your to favorite. No, Toronto FC, in my opinion. Um, Real original scoreline there, pal. <laughs> there's,
1: only so many, there's only so many options in soccer, unfortunately. I know, soccer, unfortunately. the beauty of good and go first and
0: form. <laughs> To uh, another one of your uh, old employees, Jamie. There's, there's 50, a lot of those, by the of way. Of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rail Salt Lake hosting Portland Timbers. Kendra, we'll start with you.
1: Um... I'm going to go Real Salt Lake, 3-1. Wow. I think okay. someone from Portland and then attacking Prowse another without Fernandez, is still correct. Mm-hmm. But um, I think someone up front for them will get a goal. But I think it might be 3 nothing. Salt Lake. Maybe Portland gets a goal late if they're pushing. But I think Salt Lake is actually better than maybe people give them credit for throughout the entire season.
2: Yeah, Salt Lake at home. A part of me... <sighs> It's not like at home. It's very difficult um, as we've seen. Uh, I, I I don't know. Portland went on the road. They beat LAFC in the U.S. Open Cup. Um, they're road tested early in the year. They haven't had a lot of road games as of late and they're very inconsistent, but I think this might be a game in which they are on the, the up and up. So let's go Portland with the upset on the road. So two upsets on that side of the bracket on the road. Portland sneaks out a 2-1 win. Cal? 2-1 win for Portland. 2-1 win for Portland on the road at Salt Lake.
1: How many games has Salt Lake lost at home this year?
2: Uh, not too many. They've no, let's look good it up. I, well, think I mean, it, you always, think because the three, elevation
1: always, you know, that always plays a...
0: No, it's a very difficult place to yeah. play. 12 yeah, and one they're, they're at home this year, RSLR. Yeah. Um, so, look, Rio Tinto Stadium has, has always been a fortress.
2: Yep. Portland, um, the second most wins on the road in the Western conference. And I yeah. actually
1: think, I don't know what you guys thought when with that Portland match. I actually thought they were better when Fernandez was taken off and Ibo B.C. or however you say his name because I screwed it up. <laughs> I screwed it up <laughs> during the broadcast. When he slid central, mm. I, I mean, they, they looked more dangerous. Now, that was a product. That I'm not saying Fernandez still isn't worth his money, but it, it seemed like they had struggled to find a way to play together. So I don't know. We'll see who who shows up.
0: I sort of agree. I, I think the Timbers actually look more comfortable away from home because there's a certain amount of pressure, pressure. on them to win 100%. Uh, at Providence Park, particularly this year because of the way the season's yes. gone. They played the first yes. 10 on the road, and there was this tremendous weight on their shoulders yeah. yes. to win at home. So I think on the road, Jay, they've actually shown that they can play and play quite comfortably on the road.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. And if that's the case, if my bracket holds true, they would actually then host the next round game against FC Dallas. So, they What's could get uh, that pressure back on them. But in the playoffs, I think it's a little bit different. Di- did dynamic. you say what your pick was?
0: No, I'm, I'm going to, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to go 1-1 uh, one, one, and I'm going to say the Timbers will win in uh, penalties uh, or in extra Over time. Over romando Yes. Oh. I do. How wow. dare you? In yeah, his final would be game? That the cruelest way. Oh.
2: For romando to, to lay on the ground at Rio Tinto Stadium after a penalty has gone past him or something. That would be like <laughs> the maybe, most maybe backwards ending ever. It would maybe
1: just, he'll get goalkeeper of the year and it will make up for it all.
0: Uh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, he wasn't even one of the three final. Yeah, well, sentimental. True. True.
1: Yeah, sentimental favorite.
0: What can I say? I like drama, guys. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, Philadelphia Union hosting New York Red Bulls, Kendra.
1: I'm going Philly. I don't know why.
0: Every
2: high seed. No excitement in yours. Well, just that's, yeah, be... but I mean,
1: I just think the Red Bulls, I mean, I just. I'm still so baffled about their attack. And I, I'm glad that Chris Armas seemed to right the ship a little bit because I felt bad for him early on. And you're coming and you're taking over for Jesse Marsh, a well-oiled machine. Um, you lose a couple pieces like Tyler Adams. I mean, that's a massive one. Bradley Wright Phillips can't find the goal. Um, and I just think Philadelphia has really proven home whole more on the road this year that they've got the pieces to to get it done. Like, what's the guy's name? Shiboko? Um, uh,
0: yes, since we yeah. mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I bet if you asked nine out of ten MLS fans, even people that follow the league closely, and you said he was one of the top players or top attacking pieces in the league, people would not know who he was. There's just certain guys they brought in that have fit a, fit the bill or fit whatever Jim Curtin is selling, and so I'm going Philly three, no, two,
0: nothing, two, no, Philadelphia. Okay, am I am I wrong to have expected a little more from Marco Fabian this year?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, you're not wrong. I agree. You should have expected more. Mm. I thought he looked out of shape. Yeah. I thought he looked slow, and I don't think that he was nearly as influential. And I think a lot of the times the injuries that he had maybe were an injury to the ego that he wasn't playing and was being left out of the team.
1: I think there's a few guys like that that come over to MLS, and they're expecting to just kind of walk on water, and it doesn't necessarily happen, and then their ego is a little bruised.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You
1: might be one of them.
2: I've been I've been with some players when they've been left out of the 18 they go, "Yeah, I got, going a, straight I've got to, an injury." He was going oh, yeah. straight to
1: the Twinkies to drown <laughs> his
2: sorrows. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we've all oh. been there before, haven't we? <laughs> Let's
2: not get ourselves.
0: Uh, with that in mind, Jamie, your prediction. Yeah, I
2: mean, as I, as much as I give Kendra a hard time, uh yeah, I mean, it's definitely Philadelphia. They're winning this one. I can't see I can't see them at home uh losing to the Red Bulls. I think it will be um I actually think this will be a close game, but I think uh, Philadelphia at home will be too much, and I'm going to go 2-1. 2-1
0: Philadelphia. Cal. Um, now, see, this is the thing. I, I, I think I am perhaps um, one of just about every MLS fan, really, that has has waited for New York Red Bulls to... Mm actually yes. right do something start yeah. keep calling yeah. new york yeah. red Bulls and say come mm-hmm. on do something you know it's been 2008 was their last mm-hmm. mls cup final mm-hmm. appearance you know and and for a team that has invested so much money um on and off the field over the course of, of the last sort of uh 10 years or so since they were taken over by red bull it's just not worked um so whilst i would like to see them have success at some stage um you know they've got 53 goals this year and this is um with Wright-Phillips not being as uh, good as he has been. Um, Is it
1: still two goals for him? It I was mean, a handful here?
0: with the open cap. I think it was about six overall in, comp- in all competitions. Was think, it? Yeah. Okay. Um, which, it, I mean, look, I, I, this may very well be a separate debate for another day, but I, I do wonder, actually, if Wright-Phillips will be on the trading block next year. I do wonder if that's I think a possibility. Has to be. Right. <laughs> Interested to see. Uh, anyway, um, I am going to go Philadelphia Union by one goal to nil. Um, I just think Philly... Really? uh, One-nothing? They have have enough at home, just about. But um, going back to what you were both saying, I think it's going to be incredibly tight as well. So anyway, so it it eventually brings us to uh, the the main events and uh, the old saying, they save the best till last. Certainly true uh, in this particular incident. Minnesota United hosting LA Galaxy. (gasps) Now, uh, before we do... Uh, the predictions and score lines. Let, let's have a little dive into it, shall we, from a tactical point of view. Kendra, where, where do we even begin um, to, to look at certain areas uh, with this particular game? What should we be looking for from both sides?
1: Well, I think for me, the biggest thing you, you have to look at right off the bat about your opposition. Zlatan Ibrahimović, everybody knows what he's capable of. He's capable of these moments of brilliance. He hasn't scored on Minnesota United in 2019, but that's, you know, who's to say that he can't score at a moment's notice from half field, from close range, off a set piece, whatever it might be. Yes, we have the 2019 MLS Defender of the Year, but Zlatan is a beast and he attracts a lot of attention. The second thing I have to take note of is how god-awful the backline is for LA Galaxy. I mean, they allowed eight goals in the last two games against Vancouver and Houston. I mean, one game at ro- at home, one game on the road. I believe the Houston game, they allowed three goals in the last 30 minutes of the match. Something like that. So something crazy where they allowed eight goals in the last two games. That does not win championships. The problem is you look on the other side of the coin and what has Minnesota been doing from a scoring standpoint? Have they been able to get the goals that they need when they need them? And who are they getting them from? If you look at the front four of Minnesota United, who scares the opposition? Even if you are the LA Galaxy backline, I'm not saying that we don't have players that are two moments of brilliance from Mason Toy, right? Angelo Rodriguez with a spark off the bench with some hold-up play but couldn't finish his chances. Ethan Finley with some pace on the wing, creates opportunities. Does he finish? Darwin Quintero, hit or miss, love his creativity and his energy on the ball but is he doing that close enough to goal so there's all these things for me it's going to be about Zlatan Ibrahimovic shutting him down in Minnesota finishing their chances with the front four whoever that might be for Minnesota United and that's why I struggle to pick a winner in this game because I don't know which offense is going to show up for Minnesota United and we all know that the defense is poor for LA Galaxy but um it's a really tough one for me. I think this is where Allianz field, this is where home field, this is where your supporters, all that comes into play, and that is going to drive you over the finish line and give you that will to win and that every first ball, that every second ball, whatever it might be, tactics might be thrown out the window because it might come down to emotions and adrenaline in this kind of a game at home. And I think Minnesota, Minnesota United ends up 2-1
0: victory. Okay, 2-1 so victory. Minnesota United. Um, Before I go to you, Jay, just a few things that I think um, are probably being overlooked here. Everybody focusing on Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and quite rightly so, why wouldn't they? 30 goals uh, across the regular season. Um, If Carlos Vela hadn't have had the season he Mm -hmm. has, um, there would be even more eyeballs on Zlatan Ibrahimovic. 14 goals in his last 10 games, by the way, as well. Yeah. But there is a reason for this. And to Mm -hmm. me, the the biggest way to beat the Galaxy is to stop the service to the big man. And a lot of that comes from the two players who have been the most consistent either side of him, Uriel Antuna, Mm -hmm. the Mexico international, on loan from Manchester City, Mm -hmm. and Christian Pavon, the Argentine international, on loan from Boca Juniors. Mm -hmm. Um, Christian Pavon, I believe I've got the numbers right here, in the 11 games he's played... In nine of those games he's contributed either a goal or an assist and the majority have been obviously to Zlatan Ibrahimović. The other area which I think the Galaxy have been very underrated on this year is the secondary runs from Sebastian Lejet and mm-hmm. Joe Corona. And a lot of this comes from the centre of midfield and uh, Jonathan Dos Santos and the ability he has to keep everything in shape and everything calm uh, and collected. Um, so my, my biggest concern here, Jay, is with Minnesota United, no doubt there's plenty of, of threats there, particularly if you, if you assume that Adrian Heath will pick uh, Robin Lourdes, Darwin Quintero, Kevin Molino behind a centre-forward of some sort. Um, there's plenty of, of threat there, no doubt. With the way that Minnesota United play, with the attacking and abrasive fullbacks, I wonder if this is the game where you perhaps tell Chase Gasper, maybe, to be a little more reserved, because I, I do worry that if Romain Métayer is his usual aggressive self, don't no, no doubt about it. He's got fabulous recovery speeds, but as soon as he goes, that's a heck of a lot of space for Christian Pavon to move into.
2: First of all, wonderful analysis.
0: I've just sorry, you're absolutely you up. <laughs> right. No,
2: you're absolutely right. Um, I do think that this is a very different team than what we saw. We saw them in the third game of the season, I believe, March sixteenth. A 3-2 loss at Dignity Health Sports Park. And then we saw him again April 24th, I believe, at Allianz Field. No, no. We're about six months later. Completely different. So whatever you thought you saw before, the last Mm -hmm. time these two teams played, it's completely different. And the biggest addition is the man you mentioned from Baca Jr.'s, Christian Pavon. He is a world-class player. He is a player that... Minnesota United did not have to see before and did not have to contend with. And if you remember the game, I said, you, know, you just got to throw out, which you off in that game. It was a reoccurring theme was the service that service has gotten miles better. I think Antuna is a much better player. Keep in mind Antuna scored in the game against Minnesota United early on in the season. Um, no, I take that back. It was uh legit got the one later. The assist was Antuna. Um, he was very good against Minnesota United in that matchup at uh, Dignahel Sports Park. I think this game is going to probably be one in which it's going to go end to end. It's going to be back and forth. The midfield three um, of Dos Santos, LeJet, um, and Corona are very vital to what LA Galaxy want to do. And they got
1: absolutely, I know you said, don't pay attention to the other games, but you remember how much Minnesota United got worked in the first half of that game at LA by that, that midfield. Oh yeah. now were, that yeah. Though, You know what I mean? It was like, Holy cow, what's going on here. And it, it took them until halftime to figure it out because that mid three is so good.
2: Exactly. It. And by that point it was, it was just about too late. Cause I think it was two zero at that point. Um, I think for every reason that Kendra said about the eight goals given up in the last two games, um, to end the season, their back line at times, it, it it's inexplicably bad. Yes, it is. And and none was a bigger example of that than when it was 3-3 at home against the Vancouver Whitecaps in the 93rd minute. It was a two-on-zero that Vancouver, as they should, executed and won the game in the 93rd minute. It's criminal at times how bad their defending can be, and it's borderline... Awe dropping or uh, just awe inspiring, jaw dropping. I put both. I like both those words. I put them together there <laughs> um, to watch their attack at time when it's free flowing. I think this game is going to be a high scoring game. I think this will probably mm. be the highest scoring game of the first round. Mm. Um, I think Minnesota United, for the same reasons you said, their their back line has been so bad, Kendra. I think it doesn't even really matter, Cal. Which four of Minnesota United's play in the four, two, three, one. I think they're going to have success, whatever combination it is, whether it's Angelo Rodriguez up top or Mason toy up top, um, Mason toy keep in mind scored again for the 23s while away, um, with under 23s, which could not be better timing for a guy who had a rough end to the season form wise, hadn't found the goal. Now he goes off for the national team and finds the goal. Um, I think he'll end up being the one that Adrian will prefer. And I think that goal might be more influential than we may have ever realized for Minnesota United, although we've only ever saw it on Twitter. We didn't even see, I've even seen the goal, but it's so important for a goal scorer to score goals and find that form. And, um, I think Minnesota United finds a way to get in behind several times. I think LA galaxy will get their opportunities. I think I, I do fully expect to see, Zlatan get his opportunities, and if he gets enough of them, he's going to score. Um, I think this game will be 3-2. I think it'll be Minnesota United, and I think it will be the most entertaining matchup um, of the first round across the entirety of the Major League Soccer playoffs this year. Um, that's my prediction. That's why I see it. Just I, I basically see it. I don't know which one's going to show up like you, Kendra, but at the same time, I do know what history has told me from the previous results that LA have given us, and I don't think that there's... Two weeks isn't going to change anything for what they've been doing. I think you still have players like Palinta that just want to run about. And if Romney's starting, he's not an outside back for Skelvick. So if he's, you know, Bingham
1: is due for every once in at least once a game for a head scratcher.
2: So there you go. I mean, all those reasons right there. I think Minnesota United get more than their fair share of opportunities. They get the lion's share of opportunities and we'll end up scoring uh-huh. a winning. Uh-huh. Cal
0: gets
1: it. You totally just Hilarious. said his line. He's so sad right now. Cal gets it. There's <laughs> a tear coming down
0: his cheek. Cal, your, no, no. your, your prediction. No, no, no. <laughs> Wouldn't be seen dead saying that line. I have said, um, I think after 90 minutes, so first of all, I think this is going to be unbridled carnage. It's I think, awesome. which would be fabulous and entertaining end to end stuff. I think both goalkeepers are going to have to have a good day. Um, I think 2 2. And I think in extra time, Minnesota score the thirds. So I am predicting drama at its peak. With some free soccer in there. Absolutely. Some extra time, free soccer. Just what Minnesota United do. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) That'll be great. Um, Guys, uh, final thoughts then before we end the podcast. Uh, It's been a fabulous season for Minnesota United. Does that season end on Sunday, Kendra?
1: Well, we're all predicting wins for Minnesota United. So I say no. I mean, I think they're. I mean, and I think they are going to be so pumped to hit the road and go to LAFC, a place where they've already won two nothing, and LAFC knows that they're the only team that beat them at home in the MLS regular season. So I don't think it ends on Sunday. I think that they find a way to pull off the win and and hit the road to LAFC and
0: see what it brings. We'll go from there, Jimmy. Final thoughts.
2: I hope they don't look already to LAFC. I hope they look squarely on this one and and get the job done Um, because I think that this season um, they've met expectations now to get into the playoffs. They've gotten to the U.S. Open Cup Final and I think now is their opportunity to exceed expectations and to go back to what we said earlier. There's a chance to do something special here. So Starts uh, on Sunday night, so I I fully expect a win for Minnesota United and um, should be one of the most entertaining games we've been fortunate enough to be a part of, and we'll be on the radio for it. So looking forward to it with you guys. Cal, your thought?
0: Uh, Yep, I think Minnesota United um, will be uh, extremely motivated for this. I think the entirety of the state of Minnesota will be motivated for this. Uh, This is the moment that Minnesotan soccer has craved for a very, very long time, and it's going to be here on Sunday. Uh, Now, for those of you who can't get to the game because... It is a complete sellout. There isn't a seat left in the house. We are told standing room only tickets are going to be available uh, a little later today. Don't know what the prices are going to be. Uh, so I would suggest if you want to go to the game, keep your eyes peeled on mnufc.com. Uh, if you can't get to the game, uh, obviously you can watch it on ESPN uh, from 7:30. Or indeed, you can join us. Uh, on Score North and across the nation on Sirius XM from 7pm. Uh, It's going to be fabulous, fascinating, furious Minnesota United hosting LA Galaxy, the first ever playoff game at Allianz Field. As always, thanks for joining us. You've been listening to a Minnesota United production.